We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. K-State led the Big 12 in all Big 12 picks, but only fifth in the preseason poll. How exactly did that happen? You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Fremont Pod is back. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Bambeck, former K-State beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. Today we are talking more actual football, not, not so much the uh, recruiting part of it because it is preseason pool season here. Realignment season happening at the same time, and we'll give you the latest on that as well with the disclaimer that that information can become outdated very quickly with how rapidly everything has been unfolding over the last week or so. But we have both the preseason Big 12 poll and the preseason All-Big 12 team out, both of which are very interesting if you are a K-State fan. As always, we appreciate the support of Holiday Distillery. They bring you 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottle, and Bond Bourbon. So whichever it is that you prefer, you can get your drink on, celebrate the Cats having six first-team All-Big 12 selections, or uh, perhaps get angry and drink about the fact that K-State was only picked fifth in the Big 12 preseason poll despite those six First team, all Big 12 selections. Whichever way you want to roll, uh, Holiday Distillery has you covered. We appreciate their support, as always, here on the pod. Uh, we could go down either one of those roads, gentlemen. I think uh, it would be reasonable to look at that and say, what what, what is the variance there? Why would K-State lead the league in first team, all Big 12 selections preseason with six, when Oklahoma, by the way, only had one, and yet be picked fifth without a first-place vote when Iowa State gets a first-place vote in sixth in the Big 12 preseason poll. I, I will try and cut some people slack here and say, I suppose this is the argument and kind of what we had been saying about this team. Like, they have a really good first 22. That starting 22 is pretty good, and there are some questions about depth. And naturally, if you're a team that does not recruit at the level of like a Texas or an Oklahoma, a lot of times that's how it goes. But Really? Fifth? We're going to go fifth and squeeze in a first-place vote for Iowa State when this is the team that has six first-team All-Big 12 picks? I mean, well, I'm not going to explain the Iowa State first-place first pick. I, I don't know. Uh, listen, here, here's, here's the theory on that. I think it has to be – and I, I forget the guy's name. I really apologize. But 
how many years ago was it? Was that like 2018? He gave K State, yeah, he gave he gave K State a first place vote like out of nowhere in the preseason All Big 12 poll, and people were wondering who it was. It was the Spanish radio announcer for the Texas Longhorns, uh, who is very easily heard, by the way, in the press box when you sit there and, and watch a game at Texas, which is very entertaining. Uh, it's got to be that, right? Like it's so. I mean, uh, I, Iowa State had a wildly disappointing season last year, and then they lost everybody. Like, how how does that happen? They've got a pretty cool. Homer Media fan base. John. Say, it's that guy or the Cyclone Fanatic? Pod. Yeah, your pals at Cyclone Fanatics that talk about you on their pod. I mean, Cyclone Fanatic love me. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I, I guess I like I said can't explain that. That that makes no really earthly sense to me. But I would say. We're going to pick apart why they have, they're maybe a little top heavy, right? Cooper BB is an All American. Deuce Vaughn's an All American. Malik Knowles is as a returner, not as a wide receiver. Um, so that's probably something to think about. Daniel Green, really good linebacker. Probably some question marks around him in that room. And then uh, with Julius Brantz, I really like the secondary, or at least corners. I like the corners. And got depth, the corner. Jordan Wright's as good as everyone thinks he is. But then you have to question the safety position because you're breaking in three new starters, essentially. T.J. Smith's played a lot of college football, um, hasn't always been the greatest. Um, maybe folks think that Adrian Martinez provides quite a bit of a question mark and quarterback's the most important position on the football field just because of his turnover-prone nature and he's coming off a, a shoulder injury and, and a jaw injury. So I think you can pick apart Kansas State a little bit if you really wanted to. Um, and show why their ceiling is still – or their floor could still be six or seven wins. I don't think that it'll – I think it'll be more than that, but I think you can pick it apart enough to to determine that the floor might be there. But at the end of the day, I think their ceiling is also, you know, contending for a Big 12 championship. And, and I guess another argument I would have is when's the last time that the gap between first and sixth or seventh has been this thin? Yeah, well, it. I'd have to really think about that. Haven't there been some other years? But point taken on like the Oklahoma era. has always had a big gap after the. I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. think that's. I think that's the thing, Dy. It's probably more open than it's been in a long time because Lincoln Riley's gone now. You know, you did have Bob Stoops before. I mean, Oklahoma has been but that Oklahoma power. Have Brent Venables. I mean, they yeah. had they have Brent yeah. Venables. He's a, he's a he's a hero. He is uh, Newt Rockney reincarnate. He is taking that. He literally took Newt Rockney's soul out of Matt Campbell's body, and now it's in him. So he is the greatest living college football coach. Well, I'm sure glad that I've never been a supporter of Brent Venables because uh, <laughs> I think that's going to flop big time and definitely did not want him in Manhattan at any point. Just uh, delete everything I've ever said around that or tweeted. Uh, so, yeah, that I, I think Oklahoma is actually going to be more middle of the pack. You know, they came in second. You, you look at their team, the only all Big 12 person they have on the team is a punter. I don't even think we've seen Oklahoma punt that much over the last few years with Lincoln Riley as the coach. So I don't even know actually good that punter is. Uh, that's why uh, when you hire a defensive coordinator, the only guy you can put on the all big 12 teams. But <laughs> like, you know what? This is what we needed guys. We needed that chip back on the shoulder. We were starting to get too much praise here at Kansas state. Yeah. We come out with the, all these national media guys starting to fall in love with the wildcats over the last month or so. Then you get the most all big 12 guys on the first team. Yeah. I was starting to get concerned. You know, our egos were getting too big, and now they put us right back in fifth place. So I would have preferred seventh or so, you know, really anger up the fan base and uh, put some gasoline on the fire. But, no, I, I mean, I, I thought K-State, I texted you guys this morning. 
where'd you think we Kansas state would fall? And I picked fourth and I, I think you guys were all kind of middle of the pack as well. And I think yeah. when you brought it up, John, at the beginning, why we think there's this variance between Kansas state having the most guys in the first team versus where they fell in the all conference standings. I think you're, you guys are exactly right. I think it's probably Kansas state has more high end talent, um, but they don't have the depth necessarily at certain positions as some of these bigger schools and in, in the big 12 so I think that's probably it. That's really all I could point to. I had wondered where Oklahoma would fall because of only having the punter on the all big 12 first team, but it just seems like maybe some lazy voting to, to put them second in my mind, because I, I don't see them as being a second place team in this league. That, that, or I guess my argument to, at least if I was going to maybe argue on Oklahoma's behalf is that they had so much turnover that the media is not necessarily aware of some guys that are probably all Big 12 caliber, or at least be there at the end of the season. Uh, and, and defensive Kansas State, too. Um, they had three guys on offense, three guys on defense. Felix Andy, DK Zama, the, the, which is the preseason Big 12 defensive player of the year, along with Daniel Green and Julius Brents. If you ask the coaches, they think Eli Huggins probably should belong on there. They think he's the best nose guard in the entire conference. Well, if it is Adrian Martinez related, DUI, I was going to make this point because you brought that up. Like, hey, maybe, you know, speaking of lazy voting, if it's like, oh, I've seen Adrian Martinez in Nebraska. Nebraska sucked. Uh, how is that going to work out? You guys looked and seen who the first team All-Big 12 quarterback That's, is? Well, well, he was first team at the end of last year by default. Spencer Sanders, he got all first team at the end of the year. How is he still here? Uh, listen, I am somebody that – used to love Spencer Sanders, but I'm looking at this right now. He's a redshirt senior, and the guy still has never been able to cut down on just being like a roller coaster. Like, you just – you have no idea what's happening with that. There's no level of consistency with that. If we're talking about a league where Spencer Sanders is the first team All-Big 12 quarterback, that is a league where Adrian Martinez can have success. Yeah. He just keeps being the default pick. Max Max Duggan's not even – going to Big 12 media days. He's kind of had a fall from grace a little bit. So there's Adrian Martinez. Jalen Daniels at KU, still pretty raw. Hunter Deckers has never started a game. JT Daniels, are we sure that he's completely himself or is he a shell of himself? Dylan Gabriel, he's had quite a bit of injuries in his past. And, and he was the cover of the year. Honestly, I wouldn't have hated Dylan Gabriel over Spencer Sanders as first team All Big Twelve quarterback. Yeah, it, it would. You would be kind of taking a stab in the dark, but it probably makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, we probably should have done this. This is my fault. Bad, bad radio job by me here, off the top. Bad podcasting, I suppose. But the the actual preseason poll, Baylor was first. They got seventeen first place votes. Uh, Oklahoma was second. They got twelve first place votes. Oklahoma State was third. They had nine first place votes. Texas fourth, they had two first-place votes. K-State fifth, no first-place votes. Iowa State sixth with one. Uh, TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and then Kansas round out the preseason poll. Um, you know, I mean, Kansas, like, bringing down the rear, once again, 48 points overall. Texas Tech had 119 in ninth place. I, I will be honest, I am marginally surprised that Kansas, if not – was in ninth place, at least wouldn't have been closer to Texas Tech because it feels like there's been so much of an overcorrection on actually having like yeah. a competent football coach here and that it's turned, you know, speaking of stealing Newt Rockney's soul, I think a part of it must have gone into Lance Leipold's body if you judge by how the national media treats him, which is fine. I mean, look, I, the guy did a good job last year, but I, I feel like there is uh, too much of an overcorrection for Kansas from a lot of people. I don't, it just feels to me like that's like a put your money where your mouth is thing. And there's so much talk about that and people thinking Kansas is going to take a step and they can win 
four games next year, whatever it is, but nobody apparently had the stones to do anything about it in the Big 12 preseason bowl. Yeah, that that's true. Everyone keeps putting Lance Leipold like in the top three or top four Big 12 coaches. They apparently can win up to four or five games, but they're still last place. Now, I, the only thing I will say is I believe for like the last five years, they've been consensus last place. Obviously, by the number of votes or points they're tallied, not everyone put them in last. So I guess, you know, small small incremental progress for the Jayhawks. Not everyone that voted put them in the last spot. But I, for me, I think it's almost consensus. And maybe I'm taking too big of a leap here that the bottom four is TCU, Texas Tech. Not in this order, but the bottom four, there is kind of a gap between six and seven. So the bottom four to me is Texas Tech, West Virginia, TCU, and Kansas. I would agree with that. I mean, I think the the only wild card to that is JT Daniels, like whether or not, you know, if he really is what he was hyped up to be as a recruit with, which West Virginia fans, I mean, I've gone through a hell of a dance with them over the last couple of months. I mean, they, they were like down in the dumps. Who, DY, who was the, was it Akeem, Akeem Mesidor? That was the stud defensive yep. player that they lost to the portal. When that happened, it was like, they were freaking out. Neil Brown had lost a bunch of guys to the portal this year. And I thought, all right, well, West Virginia fans are super negative right now. I mean, they're really down and out. Then, yeah, they did land JT Daniels, but then all of a sudden I'm getting attacked here for saying that they're that they're not like a top three team in the league just because they added JT Daniels. And I get it. There have been some other additions, too, that they got out of the portal. But uh, I don't know. West Virginia fans seem really, really high on the JT Daniels thing. And I'm, it does elevate their ceiling, I'm sure. But I, yes. I, I agree that's the bottom four to me because the other – I mean, like Sonny Dykes to me was just a really uninspiring hire. Maybe that's not fair to Sonny Dykes, but I, I that is not giving me, you know, the combo of he and Max Duggan, coach quarterback combo there for TCU or Chandler Morris, whatever, whoever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, it, it does not give me a lot of confidence in the Horn Frogs being a top half team. At least not Sonny Dykes in year one. I'll let Cole get a moment here. But for West Virginia, to me, the JT Daniels hype, it does elevate the ceiling, but I just got to see it to believe it. Like the guy's been non-existent, it seems like for years. I would agree with everything you guys said. And I, I think I was surprised by a couple of things. I, I thought Kansas actually might get that bump ahead of Texas Tech with what Tech lost and all the Lance Leipold love that we've seen. I also thought Texas might be a little bit higher just because of the Quinn Ewers edition and, you know, some of the hype we're hearing around Texas that we hear every year. I, I and Oklahoma State got that nod at three, and I think a lot of that's just due to the consistency of the program and Mike Gundy over the years. But they lost a lot of dudes as well, especially on the defensive side of the football. And the coordinator. Uh, yeah, and the coordinator, defensive coordinator. So there's some questions there. Um, I, I'm curious what you guys think of Baylor being one. I, I, I guess I love Dave Aranda, but they lost a lot of dudes on the defensive side of the football as well. And, you know, obviously Bohannon moved on to South Florida, but Chafin beat him out. We – we saw in Manhattan how good Chafin could be yeah. when he came into the game. Like so there was no, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely some talent there. Love Aranda as a coach, but I don't know. To, to our point earlier, the Big 12 is more wide open than ever. I think Baylor, with what they lost, still being the pick to be top dog in the conference, I think that speaks to just how wide open this truly is. I, I, I kind of like Baylor still. I think, if not Eli Huggins, I think they have the best defensive tackle in the league as well, and that kind of helps your defense out if you're really built from the inside out at that point. And Aranda's one of the best defensive minds nationally, really. So it's it's almost a little bit by default. I get it. And Shapin was better than Bohannon, but I don't think markedly better. So their ceiling is, I don't think, really that high. I mean, 
made the Sugar Bowl last year. I get it. I think it was the Sugar Bowl. But it just – they seem – I don't know. It's a boring program almost. They, they've become a kind of a boring program because Dave Arena is so soft-spoken. They don't really go fast. I mean, they're they, their player representatives at Media Day is going to be two linebackers and a tight end. It's it's hard to get excited about them. But I'm fine with them being number one. I mean, kind yeah. of default pole position there to go ahead and get the nod. I'm okay with it because it's so wide open. We, You know I'm not high on Oklahoma. Um, Cole's right. I, Oklahoma State has questions. I can't yeah. trust Texas. I don't care how talented they are. Um, so, yeah, it's almost like by default, I, Baylor just sort of falls into that slot. Yeah, Mike Gundy always proves me wrong every year because every year I want to say, man, they did, they lost this, they lost that, I'm not feeling it, blah, blah, blah. And they always prove me wrong. because, And that's why I think I, I underrate Mike Gundy all the time. But if I was not afraid of getting that wrong again, I would probably be much further down on Oklahoma State than everybody else seems to be. Ultimately, if, if we were ranking this, like I think I would put K-State at number four. Uh, where, where would you guys have K-State? I think four. Yeah, that sounds right. I'd have them at three. So you're you're moving them ahead of Texas and Oklahoma State? Well, I would probably have Texas. I actually think Texas has you – know, This is gonna. I know a lot of people are going to hate this. I actually think maybe this year they won't be overrated and they'll be solid. I would probably have Oklahoma bumped down below Texas. So I would move Oklahoma more to the middle of the pack. I'd move Oklahoma State probably also behind K-State, and I'd bump K-State up to third. I'd be fine with Baylor at one, and I, I actually maybe put Texas at two, honestly, guys. Um, you know, they, they have number two type talent. Of course, they have that every year, um, but I, I think maybe they put it together a little bit more this year. I kind of like their Big 12 schedule, too, when I was looking at it, but I do also would say Baylor one, Texas two, Oklahoma three, Cats four, Oklahoma State five. I, I think I could roll with that. I might – I might quibble with your order there a little bit, D. White. Who, where did you have Texas? Two and Oklahoma three. You yeah, I, I, think I, I think I'd go Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas, K State. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if I were going to put it together, but you know, pretty similar there. Pretty similar thoughts. Now, all this, of course, is in a Big Twelve conference that currently exists right now. I mean, things are things are a little bit up in the air. Uh, let's let's take a break. We'll come back and get into conference realignment where things sit with the big 12 as that unfortunately provides an uncertain backdrop to all this great recruiting and uh, all big 12 noise that K-State is making. All right, we're back here on the three mop pod to talk some conference realignment. Uh, This stuff changes very quickly. So apologies, depending on when you're listening to it, this could be a little bit outdated. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last information, basically, that we have, there have been numerous reports that the Big 12 is talking to the four corner schools from the Pac-12, which would be Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State, and then perhaps Oregon and Washington as well, as it sounds like the Big 10 has said no thanks for now, and they're kind of stuck in limbo, but the Pac-12's move has been to formulate a loose partnership, their words, not mine, loose partnership, with the ACC, Um, the, the idea being the ACC needs extra TV money. They would use the ACC network to take over distribution of some of those Pac-12 games, which takes care of the Pac-12's problem of having an awful network. And then theoretically, they could both make more money. ESPN would be behind the scenes pulling the strings on all of this. And there is growing sentiment out there that that could be something that legitimizes the Pac-12 for a while here, helps them stay put. And, And even those who would speculate, hey, ESPN tried to blow up the Big 12 once. Why would they not try to go cherry pick teams from Big 12 to have them go to the Pac-12 in this sort of agreement. And then they're already starting to basically form a best of the rest sort of third tier conference there. So that would be your fear. I think if you're a K-State fan here, Um, but the real question would remain like how much value are these leagues actually getting out of this money wise? Because it seems to me like a tough putt to expect that even a conglomerate of the ACC and the PAC 12 is going to significantly increase the uh, media rights values there. I mean, the, the latest number that's been floating around for the Pac-12 has been $220 million for the 10 schools. $22 million per school is awful. Um, that's a really low number. So that's kind of where things sit right now. I mean, we could sprinkle in like Joel Klatt did do a radio interview, former Colorado quarterback now with Fox Sports, where he said he thinks CU winds up in the Big 12. The Arizona 24-7 sports uh, guy has been saying he thinks Arizona's leaning Big 12, but having a hard time getting everybody else on board there right now. Uh, we've seen a lot of good reports about Brett Yormark jumping in and being really aggressive at this point, but I think that's probably the fairest summation I can give you of the situation right now. And it just sort of depends on if you're looking at Big 12 sources or Pac-12 sources as to like who has the upper hand in this kind of like cold war going on between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 for survival right now. Yeah, and the Big 12 sources are saying Brett Yormark, the new commissioner, is being ultra super aggressive. And the Pac-12 sources are saying George Klyovkov, the, the a relatively new commercial commissioner, is kicking ass, right? Kicking kick ass. Kicking ass. That's been the quote multiple times. He's kicking ass, baby. So they're going back to the well with the same source over and over again. Sources Look, are telling me he's also taking names. Okay, there you go. Uh, here's the thing with that loose partnership. Of course, it would probably stabilize the Pac-12 temporarily. So I think that there is some value for them in it. Um, is there value for the ACC? That's where I have a hard time here because the Big Ten or the, the ESPN is getting a bargain at the rate that they have the ACC network. If they don't want to spend more, if they don't have to spend more money, I don't know why they would bid against themselves and just give out more money when they don't necessarily have to. That's a, the logic there is hard for me to cross. Some of this is defying logic. And for the ACC, as soon as you change that television deal, you're making yourself vulnerable to being plucked. So 
does that loose partnership maintain value even for three weeks? Because once they, you know, break the the initial agreement from the television deal that is tied to the grant of rights, that has to be renegotiated. And their power brokers, whether it be North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, they're going to use that as an opportunity to shrink that deal. The life life of it right now goes to 2036 because then they can get out of it sooner and jump into the conference of their choosing. The Big Ten and the SEC are both going to find those properties pretty appealing. So it's it's hard for me to see the merits and all three of those doing it and having value to want to execute it. That's a lot of moving parts, and I don't know how everyone gets what they want out of it. Yeah, I think it's the minority of the ACC schools that probably would like that, right, DY, to get that contract shortened. But I don't know what the voting metrics look like in terms of how many votes they'd need to do something like that. But I would guess the majority of the ACC schools would vote against that because they they know what the smaller minority would do if that happened. And they would look to bolt the conference at an earlier date if they were able to execute on that. John, you follow this stuff really closely. So is it $22 million per year to the Pac-12 under this loose partnership that's been thrown out? No, that that, that was pre-loose pre partnership. partnership. The, the first, I mean, $300 million was the first number that came out there, which to me seemed high because they were talking about a 40% cut losing USC and UCLA. For reference, everybody jumped to a 50% drop for the Big 12 when Texas and Oklahoma initially left. I thought 300 mil seemed high. And then I saw, I think it was John Canzano following up with a 220 number being floated out there. Maybe it wasn't him. Someone else floated 220. And I thought, well, that sounds a lot more like what it would be. But we really don't know. And and the scary part of this is like ESPN potentially pulling the strings behind the scenes because, I mean, Bob Bowlesby basically said they, they already tried to kill the Big 12 once. So, I, yes, the money stuff doesn't seem to make sense, but maybe ESPN has some diabolical plan here behind the scenes. Well, if ESPN has that plan, you've got Fox potentially on your side if you're the Big 12, right? Because we know Fox and the Pac-12, they kind of manipulated this with USC and UCLA. And so we saw the Fox Sports CEO quoted in Brett Yormark's you know, announcement as the new Big 12 commissioner. So there's obviously some sort of relationship there. And so – the Big 12 should be, you know, trying to get in bed with Fox here. CBS is out there, too, as a potential television partner that the Big 12 could negotiate with. There's streaming services out there. Um, look, I, I think the loose partnership, I told you guys this, I think it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, especially coming on the heels of the alliance less than a year later, you know, with what occurred between the Pac-12, Big 10, and, and ACC. I don't see how this loose partnership generates enough money to make it worth it. To me, it's just a Band-Aid for a couple years until hopefully Washington and Oregon hope to get that invite to the big 10 potentially. Again, I don't think they're going to get the, the dollar value to go into the big 10 yeah, and Washington and Oregon's trying to kind of hold the PAC 12 together. It seems from what I've read, but to me, if I'm the big 12, all you got to do is get a couple schools to give in right now, convince a couple of them. If it's Arizona, if it's Colorado, or if it's Utah, get a couple of them to commit, apply to come to the big 12, it'll cripple the PAC 12. Washington and Oregon will eventually have to follow. Um, I don't see why the four corner schools and DY's talked about this as well would hitch their wagon to Washington, Oregon, knowing they have one foot out the door and eventually are going to try to bolt. If you want to stay with Washington and Oregon, the best way long-term is to go to the big 12 Washington and Oregon will have no choice, but to follow them and lock in because the PAC 12 will be non-existent at that point. Well, basically the idea here being that Oregon and Washington 
like think slash hope that an invite eventually to the Big Ten would come, or who knows, maybe it's the SEC, but you know, the next iteration of this. Notre Dame has kind of put the the brakes on Big Ten expansion right now, it seems like, by saying no. So Oregon and Washington need like a temporary home, basically. And I think everybody understands that. So I don't if I were the Big 12, I would be floating out there like, hey, you guys come in, don't even worry about it. We won't hold your feet to the fire on anything. Leave whenever you want. Like that's the kind of thing I would be doing if I were the Big 12 right now, because make concessions to get them to come here. I, would anybody, I know it's, we all want to be unified and not bow down to anybody like we did Texas, but like to kill the PAC 12 and keep your survival going and get a few years, steal a few years with Oregon and Washington. I don't, to me, it would be worth making concessions yeah. there on just letting them leave whenever. Yeah. I mean, it's concessions, but it also ensures your, your survival for another round, however long that may be. And that's all you're trying to do at this point, going back to the loose partnership. Here's what I don't understand. How does that, kill the big 12 because I guess I know how it does, but it doesn't, the math wouldn't work. So it'd be the loose partnership between ACC and PAC 12. And then you're adding big 12 schools. To, I mean, how many ways are you going to slice the pie and think that you're increasing the value? Like at some point it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I don't get it. Cause I don't know how that craters the big 12 in that point. Cause if you do that, then you're, you're North of 20 schools at that point. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess it it would depend. And I, I am going off of a lot of this is just theories that have kind of been floated out there. But I think the idea being, if ESPN had their way, they would take the best of the Pac-12, the best of the Big 12, and combine that to form one conference. But mm -hmm. the only way you could really get close to doing that right now is keep the Pac-12 intact and have them pick off some big 12 schools, because like you said, Cole Fox could be really helping out the big 12 here. ESPN obviously is on the other side of this. So it's like this summer would be the time to, to get that to happen if you could. And the sell I think for big 12 schools would be, Hey, we won realignment. We got to go off with the best of the rest and like kind of leave these losers behind, even though there does seem to be a lot of togetherness within the league right now. I'm with you though. I mean, the math of it, I, I don't know how it would all work out. And even, if you read the detailed reporting right now on this loose partnership between the ACC and the PAC 12, they're saying it could take months to sort out like months to know exactly what the financial details will be on this. Meanwhile, the PAC 12 is trying to get a TV deal signed in the next like 30 days. So there are just a lot of moving parts and it sounds like the PAC 12, nobody can trust Oregon and Washington, understandably. So and they're like, Hey, how could we trust you to make a commitment to this league? So it's all these different valuations that schools are having to make. How much do I trust Oregon and Washington? How much do I trust the Big 12 will be a good home? Um, so much is happening. And you have some schools making statements in support of the Pac-12 and some not. I mean, that was an interesting thing. Arizona State and Colorado each made like public affirming statements about the Pac-12, but Arizona and Utah did not. So are they more on the fence about the Big 12? Can you pull them and then get everybody else to follow? Like, there's just, there's there's a ton going on. There's so many dynamics to all of this. Yeah, and I guess the one last thing I'll say, if the ESPN carried so, cared so much about that, be number three. I mean, they could just give the ACC a sweeter deal and ensure that those schools stay. I mean, they could, but they don't care about that. They they care more about the discount rate that they're getting the ACC at. So it, some of the stuff just doesn't align. Yeah, and, and I'll just close on a couple of things. By all accounts, we've seen the Big Twelve looks like it's ready to act fast. They want to move quickly here, get an answer. I think that's the right approach. The sooner you can get an answer, if it's in the next thirty days, that's great, and get these additions made to the league. 
Um, I don't think some of these PAC 12 schools are going to be willing to wait to see what this model looks like that they're floating out. And if the dollar money is going to prove to be worth it. So I'm the big 12. I'm pitching this thing hard right now to close on at least a couple of these schools and cripple the PAC 12 by all accounts. You know, a, a couple of people I've spoken to said Brett Yormark was a little bit bored in his previous job. And so I think uh, this is yeah, 24 hours. Now. Yeah. Well, that's the 24 hours after he was announced as the big 12 commissioner this happens and this all unfolds. And to me, this is his chance. He recognizes probably this is his real chance to leave his mark right out of the gate. I think he's probably excited to do something innovative, to leave his mark on this. And so I think they're going to try to close on at least four of these schools. And to your point, John, you know, if, if they need to give Washington and Oregon what they want to get into the league and go to 18 teams, that's fine. Because, you know, if, if they have one foot out the door and eventually leave the Big 12, the good thing is you're still at 16 teams. Right. And the Arizona schools, Utah, Colorado, they really don't have anywhere to go. They're kind of locked in at that. You know, they they're not going to go to the Big Ten or any of those leagues or be attractive to the SEC. So you get to 18 teams. You're still strong enough, even if a couple bolt that you've got a, you know, a deep league still. So I, I like getting more teams. If it helps you with the immediate money in the near term, that's that's great as well. Because it, it cannot call what you're saying. It cannot be underscored how important it would be to pull off the teams from the Pac-12 because what you're doing then is basically establishing yourself as the most stable, like second tier conference, like positioning yep. yourself as being that third conference because the ACC is starting to get very nervous. I mean, that's another storyline about all this right now. There are a lot of whispers that yes, they're locked into a 14 year grant of rights with their TV contract, but you're, you're hearing stuff. I mean, Josh Pate, who's a pretty legitimate guy on the national college football scene. He was saying, people are telling him like, and eh, we'll figure it out in court. And, and those schools being like North Carolina, Virginia, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, that all could migrate from the ACC to the, the Big Ten or the SEC. Um, so the ACC is very nervous now about being rated. So if you all of a sudden get those schools, you're right, Cole, they're, they're not that desirable to be pulled away. You all of a sudden are starting to compile your league there. And then if the ACC gets rated, which feels inevitable at some point, then maybe you're going and grabbing Duke, Louisville, schools of Georgia Tech. That's exactly, uh, that's exactly what it is. You rate the Pac-12 wait for the ACC to fall apart because it will. The, the Big Ten and SEC are just waiting and chomping at the bit. Then you do – there is still going to be some somewhat attractive options there. And then you, you do have a coast-to-coast -coast league, but you, you're you're not the power two, but you're power two and a half, 2.75, I don't know. But you got a divisional lineup. If, you, if the ACC breaks up, then you go get Louisville, right? We know the Big 12 almost added. Texas found a way to block that one too years ago, but you know, you get Louisville, then you got West Virginia, UCF, Cincinnati, you've kind of got that geography on the East, right? And then, you know, you've got good travel partners that kind of close the gap. You got the West, the Midwest and the East coast. I mean, you've got all the time zones covered if you do that. I mean, the big 12 would be one of the most, you know, just behind they, they would be that second tier conference behind the big 10 and the sec at that point. Well, here is the point that we're at in realignment season as we record this pod. Uh, the latest thing that I was reading on Twitter today was that uh, a swimming reporter from Sports Illustrated was reporting that, uh, it, that the four schools from the ACC were on the move to the or to the SEC. Uh, swim, swam, <laughs> swim, swam. So, is that, is that uh, the Greg Swain's burner? <laughs> <laughs> We need to get great. I was thinking more maybe it was sliced bread who was the anonymous uh, message board poster that uh, started all that stuff with like yeah. oh, Texas A and M. Yeah, I will say, did you, did you see Greg Swaim's Twitter? Would have been 
um, I think Wednesday night. They said if you wake up in the paper of Tempe and Tucson paper is going to have those schools leaving and going to the Big 12, and obviously it never happened. But he literally said in the in the Denver paper, Tucson paper, and Tempe paper, and then tomorrow you're going to wake up and your teams are going to be gone. It's realignment season, man. Everybody thinks they have a source. Everybody thinks they know. But really, look how quiet the uh, – I'll end on this. Look how quiet the Texas-Oklahoma thing stayed. Look how quiet the UCLA-USC thing stayed until it actually happened and broke. The important decision makers who really, really know what's going on, uh, they can keep the legitimate information pretty quiet, I think, here. So basically this whole podcast may uh, be rendered completely useless, but it sure was fun to speculate. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, appreciate Holiday Distillery, 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled, and Bon Bourbon. Check out both of those great drink options that they offer. We appreciate Tucker Franklin behind the scenes. For Cole Manbeck and Derek Young, I am John Kurtz. We'll talk to you again next time on Three. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.